you know what? That ship sailed. I ain't getting rescued by my father. You know, my father's passed now. I'm not being rescued by anybody. I don't need somebody else to come and hold me by the hand. I got to be the one who gets out there every day and figures it out. Figures it out. Family structures can't work when you see yourself as a victim. Work, success, creating wealth can't work when you see yourself as a victim. Happiness cannot exist when you inherently see yourself as a victim. All the virtues and qualities that make society great cannot function in a state of victimhood. I just want to put that out there. It's very important. Victimhood is the death of a country, but it's also the death of oneself. But it's also the death of oneself. You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior. And on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are. Welcome to the Sovereign Man Podcast. I'm your founder and the host, Nikki Ballou, with one of our regular men, Elon Shulovich. Man, Elon, good to have you here, my brother. <laughs> How you doing, Nikki? Uh, I'm awesome, man. I'm awesome. So, Elon, just before we started recording this, you and I were talking about this line from one of these beat poets, run to the stern hand of your father from the soft hand of your mother run young man to the stern hand of your father from the soft hand of your mother and i think that's a powerful thing for us to talk about um because today we want to talk about you know how our world has gotten soft how men have gotten soft and, and how so many people are uh wanting that that horrible thing that you and i call victim praise so give me some of your thoughts share some of your thoughts about that elon and let's go from there okay well, it's actually quite interesting that there's been an, an attack on that very thing, on, on strong men, and that we've somewhat pushed toward feminizing men and making men who are less action-driven, men who are less, you know, willing to put themselves out there. And so, we, you know, just a general attack on what people would call traditional masculinity, which has kind of breeded this idea that being a victim, being the weaker person, affords you more moral value and more social value. Right? Status, right? Status almost. Status. Like the victim it gives is you a status. status. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and and actually, it, it it puts you in a position where we the opposite of what we used to praise. We used to praise strength, success, uh, wealth. These are things that were not inherently considered bad. If you were wealthy today in the world, if you're wealthy, people are like you must have stolen that money from someone else. If you were if you were successful in the past. People used to praise you for it. Nowadays, we look at them and we go, oh, they got lucky. That's how they got there. Or, oh, they have privilege. That's how they got there. In other words, there's no self-accountability for anything. And in doing so, we've created a, a country or a world, a culture, where this idea, where the hierarchy has flipped on its head, where a hierarchy that used to be this way is now this way. And when you do that, and we've seen it historically, when you do that in society, when you break these gender roles, when you start praising the qualities that are on the bottom of the hierarchy instead of the top and inverting it, inevitably society tends to decay. It's, it's a sign toward the downfall of a, of a society. And we see that in statues, right? If you look at different cultures, they, they went through phases where they would put their men and their men were like powerful, muscular men. And then as the society became decadent, as the society became hyper successful, it started becoming more philosophical. The need for strong men no longer existed in the same way. They started feminizing the statues. And shortly after that, you see a lot of societies fail and a lot of societies get overtaken. So there's a historical pretense for it. 
You know, it, it, it's good that you talk about a, a historical precedent for this, because you look back on ancient times. Let's look at Rome. Rome started off this very tough, strong, masculine culture, right? In fact, Rome came into being when, you know, the, the folks who started Rome were basically considered ruffians and barbarians. And they they actually didn't have any women in that society. And they went to uh, a, a neighboring city and said, hey, listen, you know what? We'd like to get married to some of your women. And the, the people over there who were like a, a softer, more enlightened society said, you know, we're not going to do that. And then so Rome decided to throw them a party. And at the party, they kind of slaughtered all of them and took their women. That's kind of how Rome got started. And Rome was a very rough, tough, masculine society. The Rome, the Latin word for man was vir, V-I-R. That's the root of the word virtue. So virtue comes from the manly attributes, right? And that's pretty, that's pretty cool stuff. But then over a period of a few hundred years, Rome went up and down, strong and weak, strong and weak. But then finally it became so weak that it was overtaken by barbarians. And that's really what you're talking about, right? Essentially, yeah. And again, it doesn't have to be... If, if even if you look at in terms of what's happening in our culture today, in terms of we have a notion that the civilized world is the status of the entire world. In other words, if you grew up in America, if you grew up in a Western civilization, you do not tend to have the perception of what the rest of the world can still be like, which is a lot different than where we live today. We both know it. We our families, yourself, we we have families that come from the Middle East, escape the Middle East. There's a different mentality in the world that is still very traditional in the sense of this is masculinity, this is femininity, and still has those same intents of, uh, I don't want to say, it's not conquering, it's not anything like that, but they appreciate strength. And so when they see a weak Western civilization, they see it as weak, <laughs> as something that can be destroyed, as something that can be overtaken. And they do. And uh, I mean, we have to accept that, that the world isn't all roses. We still need these structures in place. They exist for a reason. There's a biological standard for them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think it, it applies today. And, and sadly, seeing where we're going as a society with the praise of victimhood, which has just become so intense to the point of you have major celebrities, major, major, major celebrities major. who are faking hate crimes or going out and... They, they, the things that they juicy Smolier, juicy Smolier, <laughs> juicy Smolier. He's the most interesting case study. If you, he's a guy who had everything you should be praised for. What are the things he had? He had success. He had status. He had wealth. He uh, he had everything that a society should look at and say you are the definition of what we should strive for. And to him because he had this inverted reality, he was following the inverted hierarchy, he actually saw himself on the bottom. Because we, we now that's considered privilege. And privilege on the hierarchy is the worst thing you can have. You have no um, moral status in society if you have privilege. You should just shut up and stay. And this, again, this ties into identity politics. So what does he have? He was a gay uh, black guy, which on the status of identity politics puts you up here. But it's a contradiction. How could he be so successful? Because according to identity politics, a, black, a gay black guy has to be a failure because society's so against him. So it destroys their hierarchy. And so what does he have to do? He has to say to have moral status, to have social value, I now need to become a victim. I need to fit into this identity politics thing. And so the whole victim praise thing ties in heavily to identity politics, ties into why we're pushing so much race politics. Uh, it's very, very dangerous. It's why you see why... 
now they just they just came out with an article saying that the black on Asian hate crimes are actually because of a society of white supremacy. In other words, their hierarchy has to work for victim blaming because you can't victim blame the person on the bottom of the hierarchy <laughs> due to their identity. So you have to somehow create any reality. So black guy attacks Asian, white supremacy because white supremacy, you know what I mean? It's just a weird, inverted, distorted reality where it doesn't matter what anyone does, we have to celebrate the victim and we have to make sure that the victim fits on the scale of who we said are victims. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And listen, we, um, the, the primary purpose of this conversation is to talk about men and masculinity. So I want to just direct the conversation in that, in, in that regard. I think sure. what you're saying about Juicy Smoulier is, is, is very true because this fella was successful. He had status. He had cash. He had bling. He had a career that was skyrocketing. And he decided to chuck it all away for victim status. And it backfired on him because he lost his career. He lost his money, his status. And right now, everybody just, you know, he's a joke. He's the butt, he's the butt of jokes. But what's dangerous about this is that a lot of men these days, rather than looking to be creating uh, for themselves a life of success, a life of victory, are seeking all that victim status crap. And that's not masculine at all. That's, in a way, feminized behavior, right? And it's making men weaker. And when men are weaker, that's when society can fall back. I mean, look at China right now. They're actually pushing manly education on their young boys. Manly education is mandatory in Chinese schools and the Chinese military. We ought to be thinking about that. Listen, China, who's our adversary, okay? Like, God bless them. God bless the Chinese people. Like, I got a lot of respect for them. But as a nation, they're our adversary right now. They're an adversary of America. They're an adversary of the West, right? The Chinese people and the American people, you know, simpatico, all that good stuff. But nation to nation, we're in the competition phase between the, uh, the Chinese way and the American way, right? There's no question that that's true. They're emphasizing manly education. What are we doing? We're de-emphasizing that stuff. And part of that is all this victim status, victim praise. Oh, my God, you poor thing. Yeah, it's so terrible. Rather than saying, yeah, suck it up, buttercup, get up, get the work done, and become successful. That's what we ought to be doing, in my opinion. Well, I, you know, okay, so from, from my perspective, there's a couple things. So when I, when I touched on identity politics, race is just one aspect, but gender is a huge part of identity politics. In other words, there, there is the hierarchy of identity politics between men that's been created between men, women, trans, the decay of gender as a, as a now claim to be a uh, entirely, the gender doesn't exist. It's just a social construct that all ties into identity politics as well, which pushes towards the feminization of men. In other words, if there is no such thing as masculinity, there is no such thing as femininity. Masculinity is a social construct, which was somehow created and is inherently toxic then what is the solution? The solution is to take that behavior away. And that's where we get that kind of victim. You're talking about the behavior where we go to school and we teach men, your response, your masculinity is a problem. What you inherently are born as is a problem because it's a social construct. It's toxic. Who you are is toxic. Then kids inherently see themselves as having to behave a different way. They see that the behaviors that are praised, young boys see the praised behaviors are not when they go like and be courageous, not these virtues that are traditional virtues, which is fortitude, coming forward and speaking up when it's time to speak up. No, the opposite behavior is being taught to boys nowadays. So they, they're being sucked into a kind of 
different mentality. That's not necessarily the same as victimhood mentality in, in, in my mind, but the, the mentality of denying your masculinity, shunning your masculinity is praised. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, and th- this whole victim praise BS is something that's that that we we here at the Sovereign Man Podcast just are not for at all. We're here to like say cut that crap out. And when we see men doing that inside our world, inside our movement, we're gonna have them stop doing that. You know, my friend Ryan Mickler from the Order of Man and the Order of Man Podcast says he's got a mission to reclaim and restore masculinity. I gotta tell you, I think that's a fantastic mission for us over here at the Order of Man. We're all about having men establish dominion over themselves, right? We call this podcast the Sovereign Man Podcast. What is a sovereign man? Well, a sovereign man is somebody who has dominion over themselves. They have the ability to basically be self-sufficient in every area of their life. That's super, super important. That's what we want to be teaching men. That's what we want to be teaching boys. That's the example we want to create. We want to spend a lot of time telling folks, look, victim praise is out. Start praising things that matter. Start praising things that make a difference. Start praising success. Start praising people who face adversity. Start looking back in the history for great men. You know, I say one of the great men of history is Teddy Roosevelt. He he gave a famous speech, the man in the arena speech. You know, I think it's very important for us to teach every man about being that man in the arena, right? Because they say it's not the critic that counts, right? It's not that timid soul that knows neither victory nor defeat. It's that man in the arena, right? The one that goes in there and gets his face bloodied and yet still stands up and gets up again and again to take action and taste victory, taste defeat, and lives a worthy life. The man in the arena is what we want everybody to be. Being a sovereign man is about being that man in the arena. Well, you, you know, you're, you're touching on some important things that in terms of just being as successful and being as integrated and even happy in your life, right, in, and in society, requires certain qualities. And what is one of the primary qualities? One of the primary qualities is being able to interface with reality and know that your internal world, meaning that if I'm a hero in my own mind or I'm a victim in my own mind, none of that really matters until I put it out in the world and I see where I actually fit. That's, that's a part of being a man. Part of being a man is go test yourself. Now you know where you are, right? You tell me I can go do 100 chin-ups. I don't know if I can do 100 chin-ups. I got to go try and do 100 chin-ups. And then if I fail, I can say I know where I'm at and I know what I need to do to get to 100 chin-ups. 100 chin-ups all the way down, all the way up, man. That's, that's tough, crazy. bro. It's a crazy <laughs> amount. It's a crazy amount. But, but if you never did a chin-up in your life, you don't know what you can. 10, make it any number. Five, you wouldn't know. You'd have an internal idea of what the world is, which is where you fit. And until you physically try and do it, you have no idea what you can and can't do. So some people inherently believe they can do a million chin-ups. Some people believe they can't do any. Until you interface, right? You don't know. Yeah, you got to test yourself. And so when yourself. we teach people to be victims, when we teach people that we praise victimhood, what we're doing is we're actually pushing them into their internal world more. We're taking them away from action. When you talk about the man in the arena, the reason that exists is because action-driven people are more successful, they're more happy, they cause more change in society, they interface with reality more, and their internal world lines up with the external world far more accurately. And so when we, when we focus on those qualities, go out and do it, push yourself, test yourself. If you fail, get up again and do it. That's the face adversity head on. That's the opposite of victimhood. But what it does do is it creates a society of strong men. By definition, the opposite creates a a society of weak men. We create men who are internalized. 
men who are not action driven, men whose world goes this way instead of this way, right? Our entire purpose is to serve. Our entire purpose is to do, to action, to manipulate. Men have always been that way. They've built things with their hands. They've, they've gone out and fought. They've hunted. They're physically- Men built the world, brother. Men built the world. There, there, oh. there, there's, there's no two ways about it. Men built the world. Uh, this is in no way to denigrate the contributions of women, but men built the world. And we need to we need to start praising men. And part of that is to have them cut this crap out when it comes to this victim praising bullshit, because victim praising, all it does is it encourages men to be weak. And I got to tell you, the whole strategy of the people that don't want us to be free is to divide and conquer. They're going to they're going to turn black against white against Asian right? That's part of the strategy against Hispanic. Men against women, the very concept of, 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 of gender, let's mess up with it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's turn, you know, folks who are trans against people who are not trans. I mean, all that stuff is classic out of the Roman playbook of divide and conquer, right? And we got to be smart. We got to say, hey, cut that crap out. We're all human beings. We're all people. And what we have to do as men here, as men, we got to toe the line. We got to toe the line. We got to do what we got to do. And a big part of that is no more victim praising. Victim praising has got to go out the window. At the Sovereign Man podcast, we're completely against victim praising. Victim praising is bullshit. Well, Nikki, I want to say something about what you said that men built the world. It's not uh, denigrating the, the, the contributions of women. So when I said that men are inherently, the virtues of men are inherently outward, if you look at just like the traditional a view of masculinity in cultures all around society. It has been an outward pushing. It has been action driven, physical driven. The beauty of women is they actually complement that by being the internal, by empathy, by care, by social structures, by by forming communities, by doing things that are very that men aren't as inherently good and are just as equally necessary. But we can't deny that there are two different roles, you know what I mean? And that, mm -hmm. and so we have to exist in a world where, and this doesn't mean people don't exist on a spectrum where some men are just inherently a little bit more uh, toward those qualities, those facing inward qualities and, and empathy and more of those things. But in general, men fit more in the action-driven world. 100%. Yeah, there's this book this man wrote, Stefan Arnio, he passed away last year. It's called Hard Times Create Strong Men, right? really spectacular book. And he goes into this very deeply. The primary purpose of men is work. Our work is our purpose, right? That's what gives meaning to what we do. That's what makes us successful. We're task-driven, action-oriented creatures, right? Women are primarily relationship-driven. Does this yes. mean every man's that way? No. Does this mean every woman's that way? No. Yeah. But primarily, that's what it is. And when women try to act like men, it doesn't work for them nearly as well. Listen, my better half, Teresa, works with me. She's spectacularly good at what she does, right? You've met her. She's a terrific lady. But she lights up when she's with family. She lights up when she's making our relationship be the way that she wants it to be. When she's out there trying to be a man, man, she gets fatigued. Her adrenals are completely exhausted. And that's what happens to so many women. So many women have found that they've been sold a bill of goods when it's, hey, go out there, work your butt off, work your tail off, go try to be a man in a man's world. Many of them do it and they do it well, but they find that they hate it. They find that it's not in keeping with who they truly are inside of themselves, inside their essence, and that the mission they have for the world is an important one. You know, like 
having a family, having, having a, a husband and a wife, having kids. That's the main thing that has our world go forward. And I love my friend Ryan Mickler in the Order of Man podcast because he really stands for that. And, you know, here at The Sovereign Man, we support that. We have our own vision for men, one of which is to primarily to make men self-sufficient, to make them sovereign, to have them have dominion over themselves, and to have them basically be masculine as they go out there and help make our world a better place. I have a vision where every man is valued, masculinity is valued, manliness is valued, boys are valued just the same way that girls and women are valued. It all needs to happen at once. And we do not allow this whole uh, divide and conquer strategy that the forces of darkness are trying to force down our throats to to basically remake our world in in a very dark, destructive way. You know, I want to say one thing about what you were talking about, how the role of the sovereign man is for dominion over oneself, because it ties into uh, victim mentality, right? So if you're a victim, you inherently see the problems of the world and the problems in your life. Everything going on wrong in your life has nothing to do with yourself. It has to do with someone else, right? So someone else is the reason why you're where you are, and someone else is the person who has to bring you out of where you are. You have no authority. You have no ability to change anything. You are inherently parasitic by nature, right? You're a baby because a baby can't take care of itself. A baby cries and it gets water, it gets its food, and then it learns, oh, I have to cry again. And then someone will bring me what I want to do. We're actually teaching men in society to do that, to have that exact behavior to solve things going on in their life. In other words, I can't get this. It must be because of this person's fault. It cannot be my own fault. I cannot self-reflect. I cannot deal with adversity. And I am at the whim of the world. The world is now my enemy. And by taking dominion over yourself, by gaining authority over yourself and your actions and accepting full responsibility over yourself and your actions, what you learn to do is say, it's no one else's fault. It's entirely my own fault where I am today. And I'm the only one who has the power to change it. And by doing so, you step out of victim mentality and you step into personal accountability and you start living a life, again, that I said previously, interfaces with reality where you test yourself. And you start challenging yourself, which has historically been the way we taught young boys. It's why we had rites of passage. A rite of passage was to teach a boy that being a man is to no longer see oneself as dependent or as weak or as a victim and to Mm -hmm. accept full accountability for one's actions, to step into the world, interface with the world and deal with it. We don't do that anymore. We do the opposite. We teach people now that by 35, if you're still living with your parents, that's fine and you're still dependent on them, that's fine. No, by 35, you need to be taking care of your parents. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? You need to be taking care of your family. You need the virtues that should be celebrated or the virtues that are, I, it, it, finance is a huge virtue for men in society. You need to be able to provide. Yeah. If you're a man, provide for your family. If you're a man, take care of your family. If you're a man, take care of your wife and kids. These are virtues that come from the opposite of seeing oneself as a victim. So I don't see how family structures can't work when you see yourself as a victim. Work in general, like success, found, uh, creating wealth can't work when you see yourself as a victim. Happiness cannot exist when you inherently see yourself as a victim. All the virtues and qualities that make society great cannot function in a state of victimhood. I just want to put that out there. It's very important. Victimhood is the death of a country, but it's also the death of oneself. 
Victimhood is the death of a country and is the death of oneself. You got to rip that open, Elon, right now. Get a piece of paper and write that down and put your name under it. That's a quote you <laughs> ought to be putting in places. You should. I'm, I'm being very serious here. You should do that. That's a very powerful quote. You ought to be using that in some of the things that you you put out there on Facebook and, and Instagram and all the videos that you create. That's very powerful. So this fellow, Stefan Arneo, right? He uh, was dying of cancer and in the end, cancer killed him. And he went to Costa Rica in the jungle and did a water fast. And he left his company and he had, you know, eight, nine employees. And when he came back, he noticed that, you know, when the cat was away, the mice came out to play. People were coming to work late. They weren't getting shit done. And he sat with them and, and they were all being a bunch of babies. He said, you're so mean to us. You're rough. And he just sat down and he gave them the dad talk because these people did not have dads give them the dad talk. So he basically said, look, you're responsible for your own life. You've got to make money. you got to show up on time. No, one's, no one cares about your tender feelings. And that is what caused him to write this book, Hard Times Create Strong Men. And he wrote four books in that quartet. And I highly recommend you buy the, the Hard Times Create Strong Men Quartet and read them, read it. It's powerful, powerful stuff. And it's very important, uh, Stefan says, that young men today get taught this. And inside that book, Stefan goes very deeply into the whole concept that the world that we live in right now has completely stepped away from traditional masculinity, has completely embraced the victimhood culture. And a lot of young men are buying into it, not because, you know, they're bad, but just because they don't know any better. One of the reasons we do this podcast is to teach them, listen, young man, stop embracing victim praise. Stop embracing victimhood. Take charge of your own life. Go out there, get shit done. Find out what you want to do and, and work. And even if your work isn't necessarily the work you're going to always be doing for the moment, it's your purpose and be good at it, right? Give it everything you got. Make shit happen. Make some money come come in through the door for yourself and the people that you care about. And yeah, goddamn it, if you're gonna stay home till 35, like in our culture, you know, people do that. They stay home till they get married. Yeah. You should be working the day that you get out of school. You should start working right away. You should have a business or or, or go get a job, whatever it takes. And you should be contributing money to the family. You should be saying to mom and dad, "Hey, mom and dad, I'm taking care of the mortgage right now. You guys yeah. don't need to worry about taking care of the mortgage anymore, or I'm paying for all the groceries." right now mom and dad mom i'm your grocery shopper you give me the list i go buy it with my own money for you and i take care of that business you know that's what a young man's got to do if he's going to stay at home in a traditional culture like ours well i think in terms of yeah so the roles what i meant by staying home is the roles have to shift by the time you're 35 you can yeah. no longer be the child who is cared for completely no. Um, and in our culture, I think it's, I actually love the idea of parents living with the children as the parents get older, but that's as a, a way to thank the parents for their raising you. Now it's your, you've come to a point in your life where now you are kind of taking the role of the parent you are taking. And that's a very vulnerable kind of situation for the parents typically as they get older, but I agree with you fully. Um, you know, it, it's a very hard thing when you've accepted that you're a victim to convince someone that they're not right? It's a very, very hard break in the psyche. Uh, and the reason is because it's a scary world. And if you've been taught, and it is legitimately a scary world, we all have things and tragedies we'll face in our life. And the notion that the biggest lie that we've been taught in the world today is that we all have to start at the exact same place with the exact same things to end up at the exact same place with the exact same things, right? This idea of equity is what leads to this idea of victimhood. Because if I have it harder than you do at the beginning, 
listen, I have an autoimmune disease. Some days I don't want to work. Some days my entire body hurts. I'm going out and there's blood coming out when I go to the bathroom. My joints are swollen. I have trouble breathing. And I still sit there and I do my job. Because in the end of the day, I can either do it or I can't. It, this, this is the real secret with identity, with, uh, with victimhood mentality. In the end of the day, when the lights are off and you're alone in your bed, you're left with yourself. As much as you may blame the world, as much as you may blame this, how, the, what you were born into, as much as you may blame how you feel, all those things in the end of the day, all those people you put it on, they're not there. You're left alone with yourself in the dark with your own thoughts and what you've accomplished. So you have a choice in your life. You either face adversity and you push through. And when you're alone at the end of the day, you go, I did it. That's a powerful place to be. Or you're alone and you said, I'm a victim. I couldn't do it. You're still alone at the end of the day with nothing. Realizing that in the end of the day, all that blame you put on others could have been action. It was existential. Doesn't matter. It could not be turned into action. What could you have done? You could have lived your life. So well, I'll tell you, I, 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 I absorbed a big part of victimhood for a large chunk of my life. And even today, I need to fight against it on a daily basis, right? Because it is all around us. And I would go out there and I'd act like I'm totally responsible. But then I'd wait to be rescued, like by my father when I was younger and by other people. It took me a long freaking time to come to the place where, you know what? That ship sailed. I ain't getting rescued by my father. You know, my father's passed now. I'm not being rescued by anybody. I don't need somebody else to come and hold me by the hand. I got to be the one who gets out there every day and figures it out. And some of the folks that I've been following uh, really put this message out in a very powerful way. My friend Ryan Mickler with Order of Man, Andy Frisella uh, has this podcast, Real AF, real as fuck, I guess, with Andy Frisella. Fantastic yeah. podcast. He created 75 Hard. I'm in the midst of going through the 75 hard program. I'm on day 28 right now, right? This is kick-ass, kick-ass stuff. So here's what it, how it goes in 75 hard, Elon. So every day, you know, you get up and you read a minimum 10 pages in a nonfiction book, like a success book, a business book, a biography, something, right? And you take a progress pick every day. You do two 45-minute workouts, one of which is outdoors. God bless the rain today, every day. You drink a gallon of freaking water every day right? And you eat according to a nutrition plan every day. Now, if you mess up on even one thing, one time, you go back to day one. So, you know what? I'm on day 28. <laughs> like, I got to tell you something, man. It's been great doing that. Now, here's what I'm seeing. I gave myself, my eating plan is good. It's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's clear, but it's relatively loose. You know what I mean? I give myself some leeway within it. There are things I don't give myself leeway on, like I'm not eating any bread. I'm not having any dairy. I don't have more carbs more than once a day, like, you know, like a rice or something like that. And many days I don't have carbs at all, but uh, it, it's something that just going through the process, being on day 28, drinking the gallon of water on a daily basis, reading the book on a daily basis, you know, doing the two workouts, being outside for one of them on a daily basis, man, it, it's completely changed my, uh, my, perception of myself i don't look myself uh at myself as a victim anymore i look at myself as a victor i look at myself as a man who can get shit done and that's what's important here andy for selling 75 hard i'm a big believer of the challenge i think people should do the challenge in general i think men should do the challenge i think men need to challenge themselves a big part of being a man is you got to challenge yourself you can't retreat 
You got to move forward. And the way you move forward is you challenge yourself. Challenge yourself is like what you said about testing yourself. Can you do the 100 chin-ups? Can you do 200 push-ups? Can you make a sale a day for 30 days in a row? Those are the things that I believe are important and, and one should go after in a big and powerful way. Well, I think the, the most important takeaway from that also is uh, one of the things that in my life has been the biggest contributor to any kind of success I have is consistency, right? Like if you can't keep your word to yourself, if you tell yourself, and we drop the, our word to ourselves all the time, we're like, I'll be there at this time, right? Or I'll do this every day. I'll start. And it could be the smallest thing. It could be, I'll start, I'll learn four, two Spanish words every day. I want to learn Spanish. I'll learn two words in Spanish every day. By day three, you're not doing it. I always tell people the hardest thing to do is not to take like 50 pound weights and hold them up for three seconds. It's to take 10 pound weights and hold them up for the rest of your life. You're not going to be able to. And that's what consistency is. Consistency is doing it every day without fail, no matter what the most successful people in the world. It doesn't have to be the big thing. It has to be the small things that you do every single day. You create routines for yourself and you stick with them, right? So you create habits that way. So the 75 challenge, that's obviously a habit creating challenge. And it's a hard habit creating challenge. There's multiple things there. Most people cannot do one thing every day. Literally one thing. Most people nowadays, when you tell them, hey, learn two Spanish words every day, you reach out to them in a month. You're like, did you do it for every single day for 30 days straight? They'll say no. 99% of people. Well, that's that's why we have the Sovereign Man podcast. That's why Ryan Mickler has Order of Man. That's why Andy Frisella does Real AF, man, because we're here to say, hey, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. You know, we need to bring people into the movement and get them to be challenged. Because I'm telling you, this is what I believe. You challenge a man, he'll get better. You challenge a man, he'll get better. And if, if, if he keeps going for it, if he keeps going for it, even if he messes up a lot, there'll be a time when he'll be ready and he'll be able to finish 75 hard. Less than 1% of the people who start 75 hard completed all the way through to 75. Less than 1%. But I'm telling you what, man, the movement we're creating here in the sovereign man is that every sovereign man is going to start this and finish it. Every single one, 100% completion rate. Because that's what we—that's the kind of man that we're up to creating. That's the kind of inspiration we want to put out there. And that's the kind of band of brothers we want to put together. You and I talked about this, right? We want to, we're going to be doing this podcast to, together and we're going to be doing, we're going to be creating some, some beautiful videos and some marketing to, to show men what this is all about. Because a man's got to be sovereign. It starts with yourself. You got to have dominion over yourself. That means your word to yourself has to be good. If your word to yourself is shit, right, which is almost everybody right now, that's the first thing, first thing we got to help you change. Because if you go from shit to, to mediocre, and then from mediocre to decent, and then from decent to excellent, that's a four-step process. And for everybody that just got to agree right away that, that it's a shit, nobody can come in there and lie to themselves and say, no, 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 I'm a decent. No, you're not a decent, you're a shit. So let's get you out of shit to mediocre. I'm telling you right now where I'm at with my word is mediocre. I'm not a shit anymore, but I'm a mediocre. I want to go from mediocre to freaking decent. And then I want to go from decent to excellent. Because I know when my word is excellent, whatever I say becomes law in the universe, right? I say this is going to happen, it's going to happen. And, and I'm not there yet, but that's where I want to take myself to and I want to take every man who listens to this podcast, joins our movement. The Sovereign Man movement is powerful. The Sovereign Man movement is important. The Sovereign Man movement is what we need to, to be pushing out there in the world. Yeah, I think if you have a word you're, with yourself that is 
excellent. Like you said, you become unbreakable. It becomes, it, it really does become universal law because you know for a fact there is no moment where denial of that task being accomplished exists. So you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's reality the second you speak it into the universe because you have never failed your word and you will not, you'll, you'll die to keep that word. That's such a powerful thing. You know how often people show up late when I like, I make plans or whatever it is. They show up 15 minutes late and I'm like, didn't we agree on this time? And I'm guilty of it too, especially lately because the more people do it, this is the sad thing. The more people do it to me, the more I become lax. Yeah, we call that a gentleman's agreement, right? I won't call you out when you fuck up if you don't call me out when I fuck up. It's the most insidious thing among men. It's unmasculine as hell. A masculine relationship is when you can talk to another man and you can tell him where he's fucking up and he's not going to have a shit freak over you for you telling him that, right? So like a masculine relationship would be you telling me, hey, Nikki, you're late, man. What's up? I'm going, yeah, you're right. I'm late. You know what I mean? And 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 that's it. It wouldn't yeah. be like, well, well, you know, you were late last time, Elon. What's going on there? No, no, no. Screw that, man. Screw that. You're late. You're late. You're messing up. You're messing up. It's that simple in a masculine relationship. And that's part of what we want to do inside this, the work of the sovereign man is we want to have you be real with yourself. And we want to have you be able to call yourself out and then call other men out because that's what makes us stronger as men. When we have a band of brothers, all of whom are for each other, but all of whom can be real with each other, not in a way to judge you, but in a way to like expose your flaws, man. Because if you're bullshitting yourself, like you don't have those flaws when you very clearly do have them, that's going to get you killed out there, metaphorically speaking. When we say that you need a band of brothers, so when I, I missed an appointment between you and me because I was going through some stuff with my health and I was stressed out and it just overtook my mentality completely. And it was the only thing on my mind. And then I, I hit you up and I said, Nikki, I missed the appointment. I've been going through this. It's, you know, tried to take ownership of it. And you, you pretty much what you said is like, okay, this is how we fix it. You pretty much came to me. You said, join this group. Let's talk about it. We'll fix it. You know what I mean? And you put me on the right path again in terms of just going back to being responsible. So the goal of, of a band of brothers is to get you back to being action-driven, fix the problem, and let's move forward. And that could be a, something as serious as I was worried about my own mortality in that moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> and real. so that's a serious, serious thing. And people would, a lot of people would be like, no, man, like, like it's, it's you, you know, like, and kind of dive into like the vulnerability and dive into the, that's uh, all that victim praise. You okay. Let me, let me, let me absolve you of any responsibility for anything, you know, because obviously you're a victim and you need that. Who wants that crap? No, it doesn't help anyone. In the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to get put into an environment where you're going to have a group who tells you, Hey bro, it, it's okay. But like, this is how we move forward now. And this is how we deal with what you're going through. And this is how we get you on track to feel right in life. Um, as opposed to just internalizing everything. Um, and again, when you take the attention off yourself and you put it out in the world, all that stuff that's bothering you today, all the anxiety, all the fear, all, the, all of that stuff goes away. The second the attention, fear, anxiety, uh, uh, depression, all these things are, and these are things I've suffered from my whole life. I've suffered from anxiety, fear, uh, depression, OCD, like bad. And it's always when I'm introspective, not serving, not action-driven, not outward, right? The second my attention, I could be very depressed. The second my attention goes on to another person and serving them. And I no longer, I cannot see myself as a victim. My entire psyche is focused on this other person and what I have to do to fix them or help them or serve them or whatever that thing is. I can no longer really be truly depressed in that moment. 
because there is no idea of self. The idea of self separates itself. And then I go on to them. I'm, I have a greater purpose. Um, that's something else that's lacking in society today, which comes from victimhood mentality, is we stop believing in anything greater than ourselves. Victimhood mentality, the most dangerous thing about victimhood mentality is it is the pathway to nihilism. Victimhood mentality is the pathway to nihilism. And nihilism, again, is the pathway to all these terrible tragedies we see in the world, whether that's these kids who in school have no purpose and they go and they, they shoot uh, people tragically. Whatever that thing is, it's because they see no value in life greater than the material, greater than what is in that moment. And the, it becomes entirely introspective and they go out and they do something terrible. I'm not saying there's not mental illness at play and all these terrible things, years of bullying that wasn't treated and they didn't get help in time. Um, but nihilism is one of the greatest problems in society today. And that does stem heavily from, from victimhood mentality. They're directly linked to each other. This idea that I have no value that bigger than myself. I have no life purpose greater than myself. There is only the material. It's a, it's a terrible pathway to go down. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a terrible pathway to go down. And, you know, we're creating the sovereign man podcast and the sovereign man movement in order to help men see that they do have a purpose. You know, my friend Ryan Mickler, he says, reclaim, restore masculinity. I love that. You know, we've got to we've got to create our, our own tagline and our own purpose that's stated that succinctly. But for right now, I'm borrowing that one because I think that one's so powerful. Reclaim and restore masculinity. Help every man have dominion over himself. Help every man be self-sufficient. Help every man have a purpose, help every man be the kind of man that other men, men want to be like. And women admire that man and, and, and say, yeah, that's the kind of man, if they're single, that I want to marry. That's the kind of man, if they're married, that I want my daughter to marry. That's the kind of man I want my husband to be friends with. Because when a good woman sees that kind of man, a sovereign man, she instantly recognizes the goodness and the value of that man. And that's very important. And I believe that's, why it's important that we're doing the sovereign man podcast and we're doing what we're doing to create the sovereign man movement. You know what I think is super important for guys nowadays to do super, super important. It's something that made me really kind of uh, step outside myself also and become more confident and realize like, Oh, okay, no excuses here. Do a martial art like Brazilian jujitsu where you have to spar hard and test yourself and face your limitations. Cause there's no excuses in Brazilian jujitsu. I've been doing it 25 years. I've been doing Muay Thai since I'm a little kid. I've been doing Filipino martial arts. I'm a fifth degree black belt and multiple three Filipino martial arts, second degree black belt in Brazilian or first degree, but I, I'm getting my second degree soon. In Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai since I'm a little kid. There's something special about Brazilian jiu-jitsu because when you go to Muay Thai or you go to these other martial arts, you get hit in the head. It hurts. It actually you react. But what you don't get is this true sense of absolute survival. In Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're trying to choke the other person out, break their arm, uh, whatever that thing, break their knee, and they have to tap. And it takes time, and you dominate the other person, right? It doesn't happen by accident. It's not like I swung a wild punch and I caught you. It's like chess. It's like physical chess. And what happens is everyone goes in there and believes they will dominate. Everyone's a hero in their own mind. I have guys who are 220 pounds. They come train at my gym. And all of a sudden, I'm tapping them out, tap, 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 tap. And I could see they're mentally broken, right? They're like, I don't get it. And there's two types of people. There's, and there's people who've been doing martial arts 20 years who come to a jiu-jitsu school. Same thing happens, tap, tap, tap. And I always notice there's two types of people. And I try and always push people into the second category. It's super important to me. That's my job as a teacher. And a lot of teachers fail right here. So what happens when someone gets demoralized like that? They run away. 
That's group number one. They never come back. Group number two is the guy who says, I failed. Or you didn't fail. Everyone fails their first day jujitsu. That's just what it is. You get dominated. And they come back and they train like animals and they never stop and it becomes an obsession for them. And that's the type of mentality. And it's actually, sadly, this is the one who's fewer and far between. So for every 10 students, I get one like this, but that's the mentality. That should be 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 men coming into a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class should come in, realize that they can't do it and say, I'm coming back every day for the next 10 years until I'm a monster. Be a monster. I always tell people that when I'm training them, tap into that. Tap into that feeling where you feel powerful. And it's such a good feeling. It's so empowering when you get in and you feel like that. You know what I mean? You can do it when you're working out. But in jiu-jitsu, you're testing yourself against another man or woman who may dominate you too, which is very, very... (laughs) A 120-pound woman who beats you up. Um, You know, but that's a place where you test yourself against the boundaries of reality and you know where you're at every day. You cannot... There's no excuses. You can say you're a victim all you want there, but come back and get better. Get better every day. So that's if every man did Brazilian jiu-jitsu and just kept coming back and doing it, it would help society a lot, I think, because you you just kind of, it breeds that kind of man. You know, I think that's a great idea, man. I mean, I'm 53 years old. I haven't done this thing. And the idea kind of fills me with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of fear. I'm not going to lie, but I also think, fuck it. I should test myself and I'm good. I'm good with losing. I'm, I'm, I'm good with coming in and, and needing to tap out every time. Yeah, uh, and I'm good with learning about it. You know, I don't want to take on a new obsession right now. That's the only. That's another thing that scares me because I got plenty of freaking obsessions. <laughs> but but you'll, it, you'll become obsessed, Nikki. You will legitimately. Be I will obsessed. become legitimately obsessed. That's what I believe. And I like to get my boys to do it. You know, my boys did uh, Kyokushin uh, karate, which, which I was, love. Kyokushin. Yeah, which was really great. And then they're like, ah, I don't want to do it anymore, Dad. And they, you, you, you know, and when the pandemic hit, I couldn't force them to go anymore. So that's when I lost because I was forcing them to go. But um, at the end of the day, these are things that I think are important for men to do. A man's got to test himself continuously in a whole bunch of different ways. So I, I, I love it, man. Well, Elon, let's uh, let's wrap this up because I think this has been a very important, powerful episode. Um, any last words that you want to leave the men with when it comes to uh, getting rid of that mentality of victim praise? When you're, whenever you're in a position where you're facing adversity and your instinct is to back away, take a beat, take a breath, and then face it full-heartedly and never have an excuse. That's what I would say. Amen. Amen. Seek out adversity. Seek it out and face it and challenge it. Yeah. Challenge it is the way to go. And I say to every man, take on the 75 heart challenge and freaking complete it, complete it, period. That'll change your mentality, your mindset, your belief in yourself and your capacities uh, in a way that nothing else so far in your life has. So start with that. I think that's a, a, a powerful way to go. And remember the, the poem that we started this episode with, run young man to the stern hand of your father and away from the soft hand of your mother, because that is what's going to turn you into a sovereign man. Thanks very much, Elon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the sovereign man podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at sovereignman.ca.